question for you folks and uh, for you gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Um, we are indeed gentlemen. We are yeah, gentlemen. We are gentlemen. We are also Jalenless this evening. Yep. <laughs> can't, can't confirm. Um, Oscar nominations are officially out. We thought the perfect question would be around acting and mm-hmm. footballers. Which footballer would you nominate as the best actor of all time? I feel like the flop route is the easy way to go here, but I'm thinking about this as like, you know, is somebody whose theatrics are big overall, someone who likes to talk to the ref, someone who likes to <laughs> make lots of hand gestures or celebrates in a crazy way. That to me is a form of acting. So uh, maybe Bruno. Wow, Bruno you stole mine. It seems like so. Oh, is that yours? I have another one. Damn, okay. I, have an, I have another one. I was going to say, because he, whenever he wants to talk to the ref, he's, he's lots of hand movements. His eyes are very big. Naturally, just, he just looks like a bug a little bit. So I think that's naturally what it is. But I could see him like pacing the stage in like a Shakespeare play. He yeah. seems like he would project well, present himself very, very powerfully, if you're a ref, annoyingly. But uh, yeah, I'd go Bruno. That's a good one. Mm. Yeah, I, I was thinking that road a little bit too, just because he's like, the perfect oversized baby. Mm. That's just what he's really good at. Being. Is there a play with an oversized baby or like a movie with an oversized baby? Out of you, I guess. If Bruno's getting an Oscar. Yeah, but, I guess so. Um, I'm going to go the more traditional route. Tristan pointed out, and I am going to go Raheem Sterling because uh. he is, I would say, the ultimate flopper and has been for the entirety of his cl- career back to the Liverpool days. He's also theatrical in the way that he runs. Everyone knows oh, his run. T Rex, <laughs> uh, Velociraptor. His little, like, lent forward T Rex with his arms going. The clever girl. Rear, rear end <laughs> out. You're familiar with Jurassic Park lore. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think he's also, I think he just recently eclipsed the top as, like, the, drawing the most penalties ever in the Premier League. And I think that's entirely due to his ability to flop. So. Mm. Moves That's quickly, fair. glides well when he hits the ground. I've noticed it's like he would, it's like a feather. He just sort of hits the ground, but there's no thud or anything. He like and he, chest plants with his yeah. arms out. <laughs> and then shortly after that, faithful whistle. Mm, nothing yep. like it. So. <laughs> so I stole your main pick. Who's your runner-up? I guess. So I have two, but I'm gonna go prem based. I'm gonna go Harry Maguire. Um, somehow he's managed to remain to to just <laughs> remain a mainstay at the club. Uh-huh. Uh, I know there's some Maguire hate coming coming out here but yeah i just think him as a as a footballer being able to have a future united still um considering the potential move away to you know some off off the field issues well i wouldn't really say it was entirely his fault it's kind of like a a broad situation. a little too hard yeah oh maybe it was we're all guilty um, of that. and just how he's broken so deeply into the squad he is returning soon so um it's going to be interesting to see if he makes his way back to the starting 11 um but yeah i think the the comical aspect of his career at United and how he's re- remained like a, a player up there. And he's spoken his, he's spoken his way into a starting position, obviously yeah. played well at times, but um, I think it's a good shout. My second one was going to be Neymar, but um, oh, yeah. he's well, a prime. Oh yeah. That's just flop. like somebody who also loves the, the camera loves him. He yeah. loves being on camera. He's very comfortable around the media. He just, he seems like someone who, if you saw him walking by you at like a restaurant or something, you'd be like, that guy's someone. I don't know what it is, but you would you maybe believe that it was a great Brazilian actor. He's in like a hundred Brazilian movies a year. Yeah, he's got the movie star complex. Yeah. So um, Oscar goes to Neymar, Maguire, no Maguire, Sterling, Sterling. Congrats, <laughs> fellas! Four Oscar winners. Uh-huh. 
191. 191. We're live. I almost pulled up. Again, I almost lifted the wrong one. I get used to three instead of two. The ghost pole on the roadcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Never gets old looking at that thing. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Not a whole lot of time to do it, so we better get started. Let's start with points. Uh, again, we had a, a light weekend. It was, what, five? Five again. The look on Andrew's <laughs> face every time I say the word points is just right. He's, like, ready for anything. He's like, if, if I won, that's crazy. If I lose, I'm going to be I'm really looking at my lips over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were technically our loser this week, but it was a three-way tie for loser. We all, uh, everyone but Connor had three, oh Connor had four. Gosh. Oh. So, once wow. again, wins by a point. No perfect wow. scores this weekend. Um, yeah, man, I, like I said, th- this week didn't, I guess, do, have a whole lot of heave mm-hmm. in, the, in the overall race. Yeah. Luckily, we chiseled your lead down only to plus one among all of us, but no perfect score lines this week. It was we- weird uh, weekend of games. The West Ham-Sheffield draw seemed to stump everybody for sure. Yeah, Nobody 100%. got points there, mm-hmm. um, but no perfect. So we move, and this was also the second part of Match Week 21, I think. It was like yeah. 21.1 and 21.2. Right. Mm, yeah, That's it's a very right. weird breakup. Yeah, but it was strange. I don't remember anything like that in the schedule. I remember games getting delayed, and I remember usually games being weird on like a Wednesday or a Thursday. There'd be like you check the app, and you're like, "Oh shit, Wolves kicked off like 20 minutes ago." Yeah, they were playing, and that's usually a makeup. But it was weird, and the timing was weird. There was like an early game, and then there was a two-hour chunk in between where you'd be kind of just sitting around. We luckily had a podcast to do, so yeah, listen to that if you haven't yet. Um. Holy City Sound Off, I should say. But uh, the timing was weird this weekend. I don't know. It's fine. I'm not going to get mad at Prem, but... This no. Yeah, that gap really kind of, like, eats into your ability to watch the second game. It's just, like, like nice to, to wake up, the 7.30 game, then the 10, then the 20. Have a cup of coffee. Yeah. It needs to flow. It needs to flow. Is it weird? I guess you could take a long brunch starting at 10 o'clock. You had a lot of time. <laughs> uh we start in Newcastle where there's a very interesting situation brewing. I've been keeping some tabs on it the last couple of days because I don't quite know what to make of it. The most recent news is that Trippier is linked with a move away to Bayern. Uh, it looks like, according to Fabrizio, they offered 15 mil for him today. That offer was rejected by Newcastle. So I'm assuming an improved second bid will come in because the right back position, as Tuchel has said, is their number one concern. Almiron is linked to a move uh, in Saudi. Again, these are both rumors. I don't know if they'll go through, but they both have traction and are being reported on. So, And this is amidst a season where they have had the worst injury crisis probably in the club's history. They just had Joel Linton go down for the year. They're fighting very much to, well, they're not really fighting for anything. They won't get relegated, but they're not going to finish probably very high up the table. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to make of this. Like Players are leaving. Important players are leaving. It seems like they're giving up on this thing, but they're they're oil owned like they're they're owned by wealthy owners i don't know why and and i think this could have something to do with ffp like i don't know what to make of this really i think i think it is a confusing situation and despite them being oil owned it it feels like we thought they were running everything so well and now um it seems like it that it's all been done it it looking back it wasn't run as well as we maybe thought and now they're kind of desperate to get some sales in because i think it is something to do with that like the sustainability or financial I can't think of rules. anything else it could be like what else because that that's now making a lot of teams very shaky a lot of teams are rechecking and then re- yeah. rechecking their books making sure they've done things correctly but that would be the only thing I, I could use to explain this because it's just so strange it seems like this would be a time where they said nobody is for sale we're not selling anybody for any amount right now maybe if we had a full team we could do some business but the bid from Saudi is strange too. I'm sure they'll overpay for Almiron as is custom getting a player over there. So 
that makes me kind of think they might be in some need for some quick cash, but it's very strange. I, it's hard yeah. to pinpoint besides that where this could have gone sideways for them. They, I think it's a situation. I think the season's a situation of the reality of Champions League football and expectation um, setting. And for the sake of Newcastle, they are, there is FFP that is looming over them. So they're going to have to make, you know, business decisions as well as like squad decisions. So in this case, getting rid of Almiron is just, I think is a probably a smarter move for the long term. Trippier potentially as well. Um, obviously, he's their club captain, but it's it, it would be it would make sense if they were like kind of regrouping and like kind of taking a step back before jumping the gun and 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 trying to like continue establishing themselves in a position where it might just hurt them in the long term. Because um, the one thing that we've credited Newcastle with is their, the operations of things and how they haven't like, they've broke the bank on certain players and FFP has been a reason why they haven't been able to buy whoever they wanted. But I think it's also a decision where they have to make like smart money moves with the manager they have, with the players they have. So if this is a season where they're taking a step back, it might boast well for Eddie Howe and it probably will boast well for them as a club in the long term because like a second season of success is an unrealistic and um yeah, I think this is a decision where they're just going to reset and then come out next season stronger and and kind of offload players that really aren't there for the long term. Yeah. I, it's still I don't I don't disagree with you there and I think you're right. Maybe the long-term effect if they're able to properly sort this mess out. And again, let's assume in further seasons they don't have 15 injuries that happen throughout, you know, someone goes down or someone comes back and then three more people go out. Like let's assume that won't happen every season, but Football also moves really quickly. Uh, this is now the most crowded top six it's probably ever been. Like, again, like, God forbid United or Chelsea find some regular form and they start competing for that, like, six, five, four spot. So it's a very crowded top of the table. A lot of these teams are continuing to get better. So, I, like I said, I, I sort of understand if they're, if they want to be smart about investing their, their club's future. Let's not get caught in something bad. Let's not get hit with a sanction or get something stripped from us. I totally get that, but the sky I feel like has been falling all season, but now it's really hit a point where like, I don't know what happened with Eddie Howe. If this, if, if things just got way worse and worse, maybe they'd keep him, but he might like he's mutually left clubs before that are in tough positions. Not that he's like a bailer, but like he, the same thing. If he feels like it's his time to go and, and with this England job potentially being open to, I don't like necessarily wouldn't directly link them, but he's somebody whose name has been brought up as someone who would be a good fit for that, that position. So I, I'm like a little bit nervous for Newcastle, not to be, not to be overly dramatic, but I think some of the guys that are leaving, it's just, it screams panic to me. It screams yeah. like we need we need a solution right now to I, this. I guess that that is the thing. Like if you are if you're really trying to take a step back and rebuild, I think Trippier would still be a crucial piece in that. Like your captain is always going to be, or your vice captain is always going to be important in that and building the culture. I I mean another name that was linked on the outs is Callum Wilson, and then that's you, right. Then you also have Almiron. Eddie Howe has stated that he's keen on keeping these players based on the injury crisis, but also what kind of business are you doing? If you're willing to sell like a keystone in your side for the last season and a half and Karen Trippier for only, I mean, they denied the bid, but 15 million, that doesn't seem like it's going to make up any sort of significant gap that comes down to the profitability and sustainability rules that they have to abide by. Like, Okay, you're going to offload a player. You're going to sell one for fifteen million. 
Eddie Howe has also stated he's keen on bringing in a midfielder. A midfielder in today's market is going to cost far more than the $15 million that you're going to sell Trippier for. So Harder to bring a midfielder into not a tough situation, to not right. Champions League football, maybe not even Europa League football. They'll probably finish eighth or ninth this season, so it is harder to bring in guys at that rate, yeah, too. Yeah, and I, I get it. Like The Athletic did a good write-up on it, and it says that in order for... like It says Newcastle do need to generate funds from player sales in the coming months with their profitability and sustainability situation hampering potential incoming business. So like unless they offload players, they're not going to be able to buy players, but I don't think they really need to buy anyone. Let's get healthy. Like don't offload. It is kind of also weird that it's been rumored all, all tied up in the rumor mill with Trippier is that Trippier potentially agreed to leave. Like he was open to the move and you thought he was someone that was very rooted in like what Newcastle was doing. So I don't know. There's a lot of question marks that, like... It could be a decision based upon maybe he wanted to leave in the first place. And, uh, which, maybe. you're right. So yeah. say say that's the case. Say he is ready to, to be on the outs. What's going on in that locker room? What's going on at the, at the front office where a guy... It's for sure, yeah, it could just be him, but... Does this does the timing not maybe feel like a little bit strange? He's not been in Newcastle that long. He's also like Connor said, he's very comfortable there. He's a captain. That should go. It's like Chelsea fans being up in arms about like any Gallagher links to Spurs. They're like, how could you sell our captain one? And the guy who's been maybe one of our best performers this year too. Trips not had the best season on the pitch, but selling a good player is proven and has trophies is one thing. But doing that when he's your captain is to me like, well, I look at it as like okay. He was originally bought by Newcastle, and everyone hated on him because he was leaving Atletico Madrid for a club that just had all this money, and everyone's like, it's a money move, and he was so adamant on being like, it's not a money move, it's for my family, and maybe that's the case, but he saw the writing on the wall at Atletico Madrid for his career. He got a, a better option. I think he's just a pl- I think we can look at the player and look and blame him and say, not entirely his fault, but he's probably just thinking about himself, which as a footballer, you got to do. Sure. And so he could have easily been lying about the, his real intentions of going to Newcastle in the first place. I don't think he's like a bad person for no, that. I just think that like he's got to cover himself. He's got kids. Yeah, and so it's not really the end of the world, but it could just be the writing on the wall for him to leave. Like You're maybe right. he doesn't want to be a part of a project that is now being dampered by injuries and form. He 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 joined Newcastle halfway through the season a couple of years ago. Saw them make uh, get saved out of relegation and then made Champions League last year. Got to a cup year, final with them. Got to a cup final. He was like, oh, this is this has been a great move. And now he's seeing what it really is based upon when you know when football reality hits, which is injuries, which is form, other competition in the league. And so he has a better option to make a big career move for himself. Makes sense. It could just be more of the fact that he just wants to try something else. Right. And not Maybe. so much of a, a and, locker room <laughs> issue. I don't think Eddie Howe has lost the, the locker Tell room. Tell you what, Bayern Munich, who are badly in need of a right back, not the worst place to end yeah, up. No. I mean, that that I could see. When you talk, if you mention it as an opportunity type thing, he's someone who's proven he likes to play international. He's had success. Yeah. And when I say international, I mean for them, like leaving England. But um, everything's international loss. Uh but he's someone who's had success in other countries. He's definitely not afraid to make a move to a new league. I don't, I don't think he's ever played in Bundesliga, right? 
No, he has, I'm wrong. So no, yeah. he goes to uh, the title favorites at Bayern. I know they're in a bit of a chase right now. I still happen to think they'll finish winning the league. But he goes to new league, wins another trophy. All of a sudden, he's looking back at a pretty damn good career. I mean, a trophy with La Liga, trophy in Bundesliga. Hopefully, he can win some hardware with with England at some point. But probably not. But I mean, and I, I it's a good career. I totally believe that he thinks he's that level of a player. But imagine going. I to think new, he's that level of player yeah, too. Imagine going good. to Newcastle and being like, I'll end up my career here or I'll finish out my prime years here and then Bayern Munich come calling like that will change any footballer's opinion or thought process on where they want to actually end up yeah that's a big club that's that's his that's a career move for him he did that already when Spurs sold him after a great season to Atletico Madrid so Kane and Dyer are there already some Englishmen on that yeah I think it just I think the situation about Trippier leaving doesn't have as many storylines to it as more than more than just a player that wants a a big career move when the opportunity arises himself itself, especially at a time in his career when he's towards the end of his prime. I agree with you there. The The price tag is the thing I kind of want to segue towards now. Not that we need to harp too much on that, but the initial offer, as I saw on social media and any other report was 15 million, three things that stuck out to me there. One, like we said, he's the United or the Newcastle captain. Two, he still has probably got two or three, at least pretty good seasons left in him of football, especially in a good lineup. And three, Bayern Munich have money. They just paid 100 mil for Kane. They will shell it out if they need to. So I think for those three reasons, Newcastle were like 15 is not even in the ballpark. I was taking a pee today thinking about this. And I'm thinking 25 mil would probably be the minimum. I would I, Between 25 and 30, I think, is would be the right amount. Is that? Do you think that's too much? Uh, depends on the career. Could even that could the, even be shy. You could even say contract like, length, his current contract length, what they're going to offer him. Say um, it's a two year contract. Say they're going to bring him in for two seasons. Yeah, I guess twenty. I think twenty five mil would make sense. Twenty five mils on the nose. You think? Yeah, maybe I even thirty. Because like you have to figure, you're not going to pay as much on the the transfer fee itself, but you will probably pay a bit more on the wage because he's a senior player. Um, so I think that's why like older players do typically have less transfer value and more just English tax salary. That'll be a thing too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. already know that that'll I mean, hike it up. Yeah, and to the bit the point of the business, I think I think that's the most telling part about this whole situation is. Uh, you say Eddie Howe isn't on the fringes or on the outs or anything, but it does feel like there's a little bit of friction building between like upper management at Newcastle or leadership and maybe the club. Like there's a little bit of a gap there or there's something not coming to terms. Cause it's like Eddie Howe has openly stated that he wants players. He also stated that he wants to hold on to players. And then you have the board that's kind of shopping out some players, some key players potentially. And then also they can't necessarily offer him what he needs to continue going forward. So it's like, is Eddie Howe really backed in that situation? Or well, that might have against it. I think this will save him. Yeah, yeah I think. Well, I think my point was that like this might be the regrouping might be happening, you know, from the club to the the board level. Like they might be deciding we need to like take a step back because like, the one thing that I I feel like we all can agree on is that the board, the leadership at Newcastle, uh, Amanda Stavely, like they are they like all, him. They love Eddie Howe. Yeah, and I don't. I, I'm I was the one saying last week that Eddie Howe could be out at the end of the season. Um, but I think they're lowering their expectations now, Newcastle. I, I don't know that it's that extreme. I think they are. Like I think they're like taking a step back. The rebuild, like look at the think? reality. Look at the writing on the wall. The players are injured. They're not in form. They have financial. That's why if they were fully like, healthy, it'd be they different. They have a lot of things that are going against them. Yeah, but it, how far are you like? You're making it sound like they could slide to 15th and Eddie Howe would not, still have a job. Not, no, I'm not saying. I'm just saying that I think the reality is 8th to 12th for them and 
figure out the financial aspect and go into next year. And the reality of Champions League, like we saw what Newcastle can do with a healthy squad, with um, with the, like the consistent form, with the freedom to spend as they'd like. But then they got hit with a tonality ban. They got hit with financial fair play breathing down their neck. Sometimes. They got injuries all over. Like if the board really trusts Eddie Howe, then they'll 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 do what they have to do to make survive this season at, at a fair spot and then let him do what Eddie Howe can do to, to keep them there. And I think they trust him in doing that and then go into next season with a bit more of freedom. Like they and did. a higher bar for him yeah, too. And a higher okay. Bar, now yeah. a lot of these guys are back. We hopefully made some yeah. additions. Like, I mean, and I was the one saying that Newcastle would fight with Sackham come the end of the season. If I they mean, did I, drop to, I agreed. I was, I, I was saying the same thing. Yeah. If they, they he would probably be on the outs. The coaching market, I think, is pretty good right now. There's a fair amount yeah. of coaches that are available, which always starts to you know brush things up a bit. But the injuries, I think, will ultimately be a reason that he's kept on. Like they'll say, yeah, of course. What, what the hell are you supposed yeah. to do down there on the touchline? And but, selling players that are key. To and too, he's also tech, yeah. behind the mic at times, like mentioned injuries quite a bit. Not that he shouldn't do that, but like last week, I said, you know, it's you got to manage the situation. It's your job to get through this as manager. I know that it gets tough and it's insane, and I don't know what it's like because I'm paralegal. I'm not a fucking football manager, <laughs> and my job's not as intense as Eddie has. I get it that I don't understand it, but at the same time, I know what the manager's job is, and sometimes. You got a chest, a hard done result, even when you got some injuries or you weren't favored to win. Just can't, just can't just pull up and hold an L every week in the Premier <laughs> League, regardless. And people go, ah, well, you know, four months or so, everybody will be back. Or oh, next season's a new season. It is, like I said before, I feel like the season moves very quickly, and a lot of teams are getting very good. So mm-hmm. interesting to see how that how that pans out. And obviously, what six or seven days left in the transfer yeah, window, so time. there's not a whole lot of time to get this business done. Um, Speaking of Manchester United, there was a rather inconspicuously famous guest in attendance for Spurs United a couple weeks ago. That was new ownership, as I understand it. Camera was not shy around him. Tell us more about it. Yeah, so, I mean, so Enia Sports obviously took over Sergeant Ratcliffe. um, And the official announcement over the weekend was that Omar Barada will be joining Manchester United. As new CEO, um, the exact date has not been confirmed, but... Uh, both clubs have announced City Man City has announced it and Manchester United has announced it, which is um which is very exciting. I mean, uh to give some background into who he is, um spent almost eight years at Barcelona as senior media business development manager as well as head of sponsorship. Um at Manchester City, he spent nine years there working his way up the club. Um and he leaves Manchester City. Um he leaves the role of chief football operations officer and that was for City Football Group so he was actually overseeing 11 d- different teams um that City are you know that they own mm-hmm. that, that their group owns. Um he'll be taking over for interim CEO Patrick Stewart. Um and so what what's really exciting about this for me off the bat is that now he's leaving a job um that was definitely more Man City focused but he gets to take a step back and focus more on one specific club rather than managing 11 from mm-hmm. a chief operations perspective. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a big challenge for himself. Um, I believe that he had, there was a lot of conversations around him taking up the CEO role over at Man City. I forget the exact man at the top of the, uh, who is the CEO? I forget his name, but it was, I was reading it in the article, but um he was expected to take that that role once Ineo Sports took over United. Um, they saw his eye; they sought their eyes after him. He was the first person that they wanted to bring in, um, and they did it. Sir Jim Ratcliffe has not stopped at all in acquiring the people that he wants within the club, um, 
and some other leaders that are obviously going to play a role in that. Jacques Blanc, who's CEO of Ineos. Um, we talked about him last year previously. Um, Juve um, CEO helped them, led them to um, out of Serie B when they went, got relegated due to some allegations against them that were found to be true. Um, was a part of the new stadium being built manages all the sports aspects of, uh, or the CEO role of Enios Sports. And then we have Sir Dave uh, Brailsford, Director of Sport for Enios. Um, those two will be playing integral roles for the club, um, actually a part of the board. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's very, very exciting. Um, there's rumors of Newcastle's sport, um, sporting director making his way to Manchester United. I don't know how true those are, if those have been squashed down, but... Um, yeah, he's, he is the right man for the job at this point, current time. I know there are question marks around, you know, the city charges, the allegations against them, upwards of 115. Um, those span from 2009 to 2018. Um, and at the time, Barada was in charge of sponsorships and hasn't been personally um, accused or a part of that, um, a part of those allegations. So um, it does affect employees associated with the club, but I don't think anything of the nature of messing with the books or... Um, those types of conversations or, or, or concerns will actually affect him and his role at United. But. So bottom line is, right, man in charge, we'll see that obviously this will all be remain to be seen, but there's a lot of teams who could point to a certain figure that's been appointed in years that's been part of a huge turnaround. That's all about who you hire and all it takes is the right person and it sounds like a huge priority for, for United has been appointing the right people. I mean, you could kind of go in a lot of different directions if you were to list like the three major problems. And and these might be problems that he's not directly overseeing. It sounds like there's, based on all the details or stuff he will be involved with, stuff he'll be putting people in charge with. But I don't know. I, I if, if these are positive appointments, and I think that obviously it can always be the start of like a, a sort of a new regime and, it, and, and ownership has not been terribly popular with fans. Their brand's not been that good. So you like to think that this is kind of a turnaround from that. But... Overall, I don't know. I, I think I think there's good appointments like that, but a lot of this comes down to scouting. I would love to see what United scouting looks like in the future. That'll be, I mean, that's been maybe the number one issue. I don't think that highly of Ten Hag. That, 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 regardless, though, like one thing that's indisputable is that recruitment hasn't been that good, and that's whether it was him or whether it was somebody else at the club. That's like a maybe, maybe problem number one among a, a longer list of issues, but... Yeah, I mean, for me, it'll be what recruitment looks like moving forward. I know it doesn't happen overnight, but uh, that's kind of how I would put it. Like, I've, it's, it's how they play the market. You're now, there's not going to be enough time to do any business like in January, no, no. but summer will be huge. Summer will be really huge for United. Some really difficult decisions have to be made about players, maybe some who are just brought in, but it will be interesting to see sort of how it all shakes out with those guys the more we learn about them. Yeah, currently Matt Judge is the head of negotiations while Darren Fletcher is technical director. So um, those are two positions that I think would will change. Um, and I think the addition of a football director um, will be something that's implemented more um, to, for that for scouting purposes. So Ours has been in prison for like two years and he, he's still doing his job. We're still <laughs> recruiting players great. So I know you mentioned some allegations on there. That's nothing. <laughs> Just works Even behind if he the, did it, he just call him on his cell phone. <laughs> he'll bake him a cake with the cell phone in it and slide it under his door. <laughs> say, oh. He'll say, yeah, that young fellow from Brazil is pretty good. We should invest in him. Oh, the guards going by. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Footsteps go by. Um, I, I just think the Enio Sports takeover is something that they're going to own the football operations of the, of the club, which 
it's just it's it's the step in the right direction for getting the board closer to club activities, mm-hmm. which is which is a uh, which is progress ultimately. Yeah. Connor seems skeptical. He always I mean, thinks. I'm surprised you're not skeptical at all. I don't know. I don't know why I should be skeptical at all. He's coming from your city rival. You you think this is a plant from city? Well, no. Really I mean, it was funny that Cam Redder. <laughs> also, what else could go wrong? And he sent me. He sent me. He sent me. Cam Redder said it's a Trojan. Pep sending in a Trojan. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think I'm not skeptical. I think it's a city, career move for him. City are pretty buttoned up with his business, and I mean, maybe there's more opportunity in United, but United's also a shithole, and I think a city are willing to let right this guy, now. I think it, they didn't want to let him go. He he. This is an enticing offer from a. Cl- this is a position that he was expected to take at city so he's now getting the op- the opportunity to come to united so if he was being offered it at city why would he just it was, he wasn't being it offered united? it he was there was a lot of conversations as him the next in line and so Dr- jim ratcliffe was was adamant about getting him in and so we have i don't think it's a, a situation where city are letting him go willingly it's a situation where he wanted this opportunity at city we're giving him the the full control of our club when it comes to like as the CEO. And so he's someone that wants to make a, a turnaround for it's a better, it's way better now than what we're dealing with at this time. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, a, you're it's probably paying first him step. a boatload it's of the, money, but yeah, I guess you've always been critical of the ownership and it always kind of stems from them. This wasn't the Glazers decision though. This was Sergeon Ratcliffe's. Yeah, but they, they're always going to have any CEO, on any executive board too. They'll have a always vote. has to present everything to ownership. And while Sir Jim Ratcliffe did put money into the club, he is not the majority owner. He's not a majority owner, but he and is not even close. But to he's it. taking full op, full control of football operations and club you operations. Say, you say full control. I don't think he's going to have like he's going to have full control, but everything he does has to be presented to leadership. Yes, they do. So but do I you think trust th- the Glazers then? Why would they give him 25% if they're not going to back what his decisions are? Because he paid they, when they, the club let, is in debt. Let's, let's focus Glaze, on the decisions. I think that's going to be the most the important Glazers, thing of this conversation. The is in debt. The so Glazers if a guy comes willing money, to pay clear. 25% for someone that's in debt, it makes sense the, that they're going to The Glazers care about money, money, ultimately. And yeah. I think and Barada has history working with clubs to bring them sponsorship deals, grow the club. United's never going to be in a position where they're really that hurting. Like The issue is what the Glazers take out of the club as opposed to what the club's actually making. So in this case... Barada's going to be the type of, type of guy to control more of that and have more of a say. So I think it's the right decision from a, from uh, the Glazers, and I think the Glazers are are actually giving control to an aspect of our club now. We'll, we'll see. I don't. I don't think we can judge this decision by yeah. any metric of success yet. I think these definitely they're proven figures. It's a progressive. They've, they've worked yeah. good jobs in football, and they're coming from those good jobs yeah. to another good opportunity. But let's just let's keep it really simple. Let's it's keep progress. it really really simple. Sign a good player. Sign a player, someone from this office, scout a player. That player comes to United. That player performs well. That player continues to perform well. You offload a few guys who are dead weight. You sign another player who continues to do quite well. At that point, I think you can start to say, okay, you know, the right people have been implemented. Not to say that those people you mentioned will all be like directly over scouting. Yeah, yeah. You just when it comes to these appointments, there's a lot of noise around them because they have such rich resumes and they've been attached. They were attached to these clubs during huge periods of time. So I agree. As someone who is a neutral here and is looking at United from a standpoint of like everybody knows they're kind of there is something very wrong with that locker room right now, and there's something very wrong with the way the club is run. 
yeah, like appointing new people and appointing trusted people. And it sounds like I, I think Jim Ratliff will be a good owner. I get a good vibe from him. He seems like he's a United first kind of guy. He seemed to step in when things are going really poorly and say this from an English football standpoint is largely unacceptable. And I think he, they have a lot of uh, there's a lot of hope with him at the wheel at these decisions. But again, like mm-hmm. there's only one way of measuring that a metric of success when you change a regime and that's what happens with the club? Will they continue to be stagnant? Will they continue to do a lot of the same thing? Will we start to see them? Maybe not even this season. It might take a couple seasons to see, but I mean, I don't know. That's whenever there's a new like ownership or whenever this, there's sort of business scenes, it's, it feels like it can be really a big deal, but it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of ones and zeros <laughs> and money. And it's a lot of big words and big things, but it's like, what does the club do? Who comes yeah. to the club? What do they look like? What do they become? What do they turn into? And while I am optimistic, I... I and you're like, a fan, so you should be like, optimistic. Like, but like, like you like said... I, I oh. should be pessimistic, and you should be the one saying, yeah, why, I don't think, why I don't would think, this not I be? I think you're, real, you're a realist. I'm an optimist. You're a neutral, so you're For a realist. Sure. I'm an optimist because I'm a fan, and, and you're a pessimist because you're not a fan. But All ultimately, lead home. My, right <laughs> to the bottom of my Blazers red. My optimism, ultimately... You're right. I think it will take a couple of years. It's not. This isn't a tomorrow fix. I don't think Omar sure. Parada comes in and changes the club sure. overnight. So, but if he does, oh yeah. But it's happened. Give me the CEO role, CEO role, a couple million dollars in three years. I'll, I'll be fine. Too. First of all, you'll need a lot more than a <laughs> couple million dollars because he's not going to Liverpool. We don't need you. Yeah, and and Whatever. we could do a whole pod on FSG. <laughs> I think many people don't like FSG, right? Yeah, or maybe they do. I don't even know. Uh, I think they, I mean, Red Sox fans little don't. Weasel but. in it. He's a bit weaselly. We got good scouts, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, hey, I'll, I'll give you that. Um, so that does a wrap on, on Newcastle and United. I do want to check in really quickly with AFCON and with the Asia Cup. Kind of want to give them their flowers. It's always a very entertaining tournament, and it's it comes at a really inopportune time, and I understand why they can't have it in July when all the players are off. Like, I get that, but... I feel like it kind of, every year it kind of gets like some shit. Even myself, I was dreading it because of the players on Spurs that were leaving, saw and leaving. I'm like, oh, why do they got to go play in this random-ass tournament? But <laughs> then you see the games and you see what it means to people, and it's a really good reminder that it is like a huge deal to a lot of people. But some funny storylines, too. I was, so this question has been posed mostly in like joke meme format, but <laughs> to really try to like take this seriously, India has a population of 1.4 billion. That's billion with a B. I did a lot of research today when I probably should have been doing my job. I hope my work isn't listening to this, but no real major players coming out of India that have really ever played in world football. Their team went 0-3 in the group, no goals scored, six goals conceded. How can a country that large simply never produce any any quality football? And to say, a lot of them, they all play in the professional in the Indian Premier League, which I think is probably similar to MLS or like on par with like maybe the Saudi League in terms of like level, but I mean... Is that not crazy to you? Never, not one. I mean, I think we look at like the U.S. And we have like five Premier League guys. You could like land and yeah, die, but like, like it took us a while to get there. And I think it just it just comes down to like funding in the sport. So we we have a, a very large population in comparison with Europe, like with European countries. India, obviously, in terms of like population, is significantly higher than that. But I think when you look at like. U.S. and then you look at you know Portugal, England, Spain, um, France, all these talents coming out of these smaller populated countries. You have the U.S. with over 300 million people. 
we finally realized, oh, this is a sport we should get involved in more, and we've started developing more academies and developing more into well, that, youth soccer. That's interesting, I too. Think, to so, me, I think it just ultimately comes down to like the investment and, and the importance of the sport. Like Cricket's huge in cr- India. So cricket's that's a great example. Say, but, yeah. but so like, And even if cricket's a bigger sport in India than football is, which I'm, I'm thinking it probably is, probably. like if football's still big in Asia. Like There's still a big population of football players, and football playing youth in Asia. Using it, Jesus. Uh, I did not. That came out not. That <laughs> what I meant to say was like it seems like comparatively there should be enough investment. Like yeah, maybe there's more investment in cricket, but if you look at the top like 25 cricketers in the world, I think like three or four of them are Indian. Like India always sends a really good team to any sort of world cricket competition. They have a great history of like amazing players. So I'm like, but how the math just doesn't make sense comparatively no, to like yeah. it's like there's more people, more up op- like more potential from do like talent. one. Yeah, there should be one. <laughs> Indian footballer who's at least very well known and, and really good. Like the the youth investment is weird. Like I'm like, is there not any youth investment in football it's, in India? Is there yeah. none? Is there more in America? It's than also there like is? you know how like we'll have scouts will go to you know parts of countries that aren't as financially backed. Sure, right. And there'll be talented players just like Japan. Play, great yeah, example. Like Japan playing in the the league that's available to them and these scouts from like United, from Liverpool, whatever, Chelsea will go to these countries and they'll identify these young players and give them the opportunity to live in a different country and play and play in their country and, and develop in their in their club. I'm surprised that there hasn't been that that I'm aware of that is doing that, like is looking for these young talents in you mean like you know, maybe there are some young talents and we just have not tapped into the Indian football market yeah, properly? Yeah, I think that's probably what I it think that's be. a very I mean, I would hope so. And I would I would hope just again, because you mentioned teams like Japan, they've kind of been on the up like that's a that's a tiny nation, tiny nation. And I don't know. It's, it's right. I was thinking about this a lot today. I'm like, it feels like there should be like a striker or like a six, five center back who just happened to be be Indian. And he's yeah. there. All the scouts are like, oh, my God, you got to You got to get this guy. I'm really pissed right now. He's freaking he's an animal. He's a problem. So I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I feel like low key kind of an India fan where I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I need to see them. There could be people. Never, never went to a World Cup. I so you, that looked, up too. you looked up like. I looked like, up India football. I went to like first of all, it's there's on Wikipedia. There's a page, and I know everyone says everything on Wikipedia is made up, which is not true. <laughs> but there's a specific Wikipedia page that's like Indian expats who have played in other professional leagues, and like again, as I said, none of them actually have Wikipedia pages. It's just names in a box. Like there's nobody of note who, yeah. like an Indian person would be like, oh, I, oh yeah, there's this, in, there's this footballer. I think even a local Indian would be like, oh yeah, I can't name a single person. <laughs> like I don't know anybody who's played big time, but. I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about today while I was looking at the table. They really just, they had never been to a World Cup. They did have some success in the 50s, I saw, but it was mostly with like, it was with Asian tournaments, which is still substantial. But that's what I was going to say too, not to harp on this too much, but think about the business aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody in South Korea is a Tottenham fan because they have Son Hung Men. And there's other good South Korean footballers, but could you imagine if like United signed like an Indian winger who is unreal? Every person in India would become a United fan. Pretty sure there's a big Manchester United population in, like, especially the, if there's already. Like, I'm pretty like, sure India has a very like they're very. I think you're right, they yeah. love the Premier League. Yeah. I'm pretty sure like a lot of yeah. Indian people in United. India are va- are fans of the Prem. Um, United specifically. But I'm like, think about if they if they had. 
obviously, even if they're largely United fans, think about if they had like a, an Indian youth to like rally around. And yeah. Be like, oh, yeah. no, like we all like Brighton because like, and Brighton would actually be a team that would go find a good Indian it's team. It's like a Stupion with, uh, with Ecuador. Right. All exactly. the Ecuadorians oh my love God, Brighton. Is he Ecuadorian? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, he's Ecuadorian, right? Oh, that's awesome. So. Yeah, it's Ecuador. I did not know yeah. that. I don't know. From a business aspect, too, I'm like, man, you're, it would be cool to one, get a successful Indian footballer, but like then you can literally get the country of India. Again, <laughs> 1.4 billion with a B people to start watching that one team. Yeah. That would be insane. Um, another storyline, Onana getting benched. Is that really? Has he not made a save at AFCON yet, or is that just people taking the piss oh, out yeah. of him? I Believe think that's, that's true, confirmed. but regardless of the... There, I love how like all these like like B warmers like they like to pose as like they pile on. Onana is like beat down. The guy's walking out with his club with his team. Oh yeah, he country was with the with the speaker. He's a hype man. He like hype. I think that speaks volumes to yes. He's aware of how bad his form is, but I think he's he's like doing. No, I'm with you there. I think he's doing for a hype man. I think he's doing everything Yikes. he can. With like the form, bad form he's in, because no, like bad form is a reality. But we know that he's a good keeper based upon his career before United, and. Um, I think him being a hype man is a big fuck you to anybody that's trying to p- even push him down even further. He's in a bad run of form, like he is. What is no, I agree. I think like, that's a good. Yeah, I mean, it's not. In, it's also well, not supposed to do Connor. It's like, also not in the worst. Punch himself it's also not in the face. No, like, no, it's also not the worst form we've seen in a goalkeeper. Like it's for, just not. It's pretty bad, but yeah, you're no, right. No, but it's not. But it's not. It's just it, one we're, of the we're worst. making it so much worse. Yes, because the price tag. Yes, because the expectation. But like, he just seems confused lately. Yeah, he. So the whole club's confused. United's confused. We're we're like fucking confused. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I'm, I I love the pictures that we saw of him. Like he even tried to make it to the game. Like that's funny. Yeah, but he didn't make it. I mean, yeah, he's provided a plot line and a half. <laughs> it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, like getting him over there in time. But um, yeah, just some you know some some funny storylines and obviously an interesting questions. I think we're all, all that's left now is Howler and Baller. And I said as we start before right before we click play, I was like, oh, it'll come to me during the episode. Crickets. I. I mean, it's harder because there were way fewer games. I'm trying to think of a like a the howlers sometimes come easier than the ballers, but I can't. Yeah. I mean, Palace giving up five to Arsenal, Taking, holding an L. Yeah. This might be the hardest like weekend to pick. Slim pick because it was just I mean, like very little going on. I'll go a baller that we got. Oh, Barada. That's a baller. Wait, who? Barada? Signed Omar Barada as a CEO. Oh, okay. That's your baller, dude. Well, Jalen yes, picked you and I Emery one, one week. I think that's still a better pick. We've picked, pick, but like, I way more He unusual. doesn't do anything related to ball <laughs> on the field. Yeah, he's going to ball in the front office. They're like, you know oh, what? You're going to play You're gonna play goalie. You, you couldn't give a shout to any of the other players Put that the played this on. weekend. Definitely oh, not Liverpool. you gotta, you got to stroke, the only stroke, stroke your club's ego that much. Known, Nunez, and and yeah. I'm the bias. He's got to stroke his I'm picking Jota, so you can't. So find somebody else. Jota had an assist, right? McAllister's my baller, but... Jota had a two goals and an assist. Two goals. And, what did McAllister have? He had the most. Tell me a stat ball, or tell me nothing. He had the most ball recoveries and okay, the so. most <laughs> tackles won in a Premier League match in the last like ten years. He had nine tackles won or something like that in a match. He was also incredible. Jeez, comp, fourteen shots. So. Jaden Sancho scoring goals in Dortmund. No, drawing I don't fouls. think he's that's a howler. I don't no, think he's he scored. he drew a penalty kick. My I, howler is uh, he took it. Egypt's manager calling out Liverpool for openly stating. <laughs> oh, that was I forgot about, to bring that up during. I, I was going to talk about it. I now. was going to bring it up. You should. You guys got to shut me let's up. Just, let's end it off of this and forget. You got to go like this in front of my face to get um, me to stop. But like the manager of Egypt criticized Liverpool for apparently talking about Mosala's injury before 
their final group stage game because it was a big game for the country and it was a distraction. Meanwhile, mm. Egypt's FA openly stated prior to Liverpool talking about it that that Mo Salah indeed had an injury and it was rather significant. And then Pep Linders talked about it in his press conference. In his book. And Pep, yeah, that too. But Pep Linders spoke highly. So like you got the Egypt Only manager. The e-book. <laughs> you got um, the Egypt manager criticizing Liverpool. Pep Linders spoke highly of Egypt and how they worked closely with Liverpool to make the right decision for the player. And he felt as though when it comes to international play that, Teams should do that more because Liverpool's playing the, paying the salary. Oh, right. And they, like a better relationship you need yeah. between. I agree. It's kind of silly do to be what's, like. Do what's best for the yeah. player. And most of all, has an injury that seems rather significant that could put him out for up to a month. Something to do with his hamstring. That's not significant. But like, getting, also, yeah. the Liverpool's facilities are far better to He'd be out for handle. a month anyway playing with Africa. So that's why. Right. I, so I, it's, like, it's just about the, like, but the, Liber- mind, like the distraction aspect is what they're upset about. Yeah, he was like. We can talk about our player but that I we think pay that's the most a, in our team a day before whatever game. Imagine you getting play. that like, email and being like, "Okay, it's, <laughs> like, I know dude. it's like the Brad. It's like the most office email too. <laughs> like, like we've we've agreed to repair his hamstring, get him ready, and if Egypt somehow make the Afcon final, that will send him back to play the final. So I don't think you have anything to complain about. <laughs> he there wasn't there another Egyptian player who criticized him for coming back too. Oh, that maybe. that I thought I saw a couple days ago where it was a former Egypt player. He's like maybe the second best Egypt player ever was like oh, criticized because yeah. he's like you can still stay with your team and be like a leader and be and like you shouldn't be leaving with the team to go. I mean yes, but when you're getting paid, that doesn't make sense. So if you if, it, if, if it's Liverpool be have cert- the facilities, yeah, that's true. They'll have better. Yeah, they'll have better. They'll have the better doctor. amenities for him. Or his his doctor, the team doctor, is probably in Liverpool. I get that. But also, also it's like, would you rather go back and try and make it to the? For your country in a couple of weeks, a few weeks to the final, or do you want to stay and like get your injury not as sped up, like the, the yeah. treatment for it? Yeah, I, I mean, think so. I would be in favor of him coming back. I mean, again, I'm like, because if it was my player, I'd be like, no, you don't need to do that anymore. You're hurt. Just just come on back now, and <laughs> yeah. you'll be fine here. Like everything's fine. But yeah. I think they found the ultimate solution. Like if we can get him healthy and Egypt are still playing, we send him back. If that's not the case, then I mean, he stays in Liverpool and gets the best treatment he can. Yeah, because there's also a season to finish out. So it's crazy that people are just like randomly throwing shade. Like, I agree though. I think the team should it should be they they should should be more cohesive about players and sort of be like even if the two coaches meet and they're like, okay, let's actually come to an understand. Like, because you are sort of it is a weird dynamic. I'm not saying it's not weird. And there's no Mm -hmm. there are not a lot of other sports that are in that at least during the season, right? Like, this is obviously you're in charge of. Mo at Egypt is a big is a big deal, but it, somehow he's even a bigger deal in Liverpool. You know, like even yeah. f- so far from home, he's like more of a talisman there. So you are like it's like letting someone borrow your car, kind of, and it's like <laughs> but it's like a Lamborghini, and you're like fuck, I don't even want to like drive this. Like, yeah. I'm terrified even with my key in the ignition. <laughs> Do Lamborghinis even have keys? Probably push oh, to no, start at this point. Start, yeah, that's just my mindset. <laughs> Where's the fucking key going? This thing? <laughs> Um, okay, I think that's did we pretty much cover all. Of yeah, it? we can wrap. We the baller howler, you know, that's a bit of a wash, a bit of a wash <laughs> one. But um, what an episode, guys! Pleasure. Thank you, thank you for joining us. Episode one ninety one. We'll see you all very soon.